Today I want to talk to you about being thankful. And, and in this service, if you hear all the words and the songs we were singing, it's like God's trying to get our attention to the fact that, look, I want you to be thankful not just when things are great, but in all situations. Rejoice. I mean, the Bible, there's several scriptures that talk about rejoicing in, you know, in, in hard situations, giving thanks. And so God wants us to be thankful. But here's the deal there. How do you become thankful? How do you, you know, what, what, what produces thankfulness? Well, a lot of it is we have no idea what we're to be thankful for. David says, count your blessings, right? I will recount the wondrous deeds you have done in my life. That's why we have to keep counting. Because, you see, Satan is so in opposition to our relationship with God that he's going to do everything he can to deter us and to distract us and to keep us out of focus. He wants us to focus on the negative. Now, listen, I'm not talking about living in reality, Okay. If your leg's been shot off, your leg's been shot off. You're not going to, you're not going to, you know, word of faith it away. Your leg's shot off, okay? What we need to do is we'll say, Lord, what does your word say so that I can line with your word in this situation? Amen? And so, but Satan is, Satan wants us to come in here and he wants to distract us. He wants to distort what God wants to happen. God wants us to come in his sanctuary. He wants us to express our love to him and he wants to express his love back to us in return there's an interaction here there's something that's meant to be happening here not just showing up and going home and, and so today I want to talk to you about being thankful and I want you to go to Luke chapter 17 and we're going to read about 10 men with leprosy and leprosy is a bad deal as you all know right I mean they've built they've made leper colonies because these people could not live in normal society with everyone else. They had to be banished, put away. I mean, could you imagine uh, one day you find a sore on your arm? You're a successful person. You got a wife. You got kids. You know, you, you got friends. And you got all these things in life. And one day, because of a little bobo that develops on your arm and begins to spread now, you're, you're shunned. You're pulled away. You lose not just some of it, but you lose all of it. You don't see your wife, you don't see your kids, you lose your job, and all this life that you've had is now gone. It is completely, utterly gone. And now you're living with a bunch of other people that have the same problem, and you're just isolated. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, how hard would it be to have a positive mentality in that situation? That would be pretty hard to do. But in Luke 17, verse 11, it says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along, Samaria and Galilee, it's talking about Jesus. As he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voice saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. That's a key word there, Master. And we'll talk about that in a moment. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God very solemnly and reverential, not wanting to cause a distraction, not wanting to show his emotions before Jesus, who he was so thankful to for healing him and giving him his life back. This is what was, am I saying this right? No, no. It said he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And it says, now he was a Samaritan. So here's the deal. This wasn't even one of Jesus' people. 
Because Jews and Samaritans didn't get along too well. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And the word well here is sozo, means you, you are completely made well. You are saved. It's the same word used in Romans ten thirteen. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I mean, it's the same word used here to describe you, you, you are saved now. You are well, fully, spiritually, and, and in every kind of way. You, you get more than just no leprosy. You get salvation and eternal life through Jesus. Amen? And so, and so there's, there's three things I want you to see here that, that happened with this individual in this passage. And, and I want you to understand that this is how we will develop gratefulness. And because, because I'm going to tell you what, the root of worship, expressing ourselves to God, is gratefulness. I mean, if you come in here and you have no gratefulness, then what the heck do you have to, to, to display? You know? I mean, it's your affection, it's your thankfulness, and it, and, it's, and it needs to be from the proper position of where you are and where God is. I mean, when, we, when we're in love, man, we will do stupid things. We'll spend, you know, uh, uh, just crazy amounts of money for women, you know. I remember when I bought $120, I bought Christy a $120 ring in high school. That was crazy, you know, because I used to tell people, you know, don't buy your girlfriend's money. That's... That's a bad investment, right? You don't know how this is going to go. But I was so in love. I went against my own principles. I went and bought her a ring with my money that I earned. You know, this wasn't money that Dad had given me. This is money that I earned, you know, and it took me probably a whole week to get it, sweating all day long, you know, working with bricklayers and getting mud thrown at you and getting cussed at for not making the mud right. But, but I just, you know, this, I was willing to, to spend that money on her, and she still got that ring, right? It's like 50 years and she still has that ring. So, but you know, I, I express my love to her. You know, and, and you express your love to what you love. You know, Cammie, Cammie doesn't, you know, usually I'm asking Cammie, do you want something? Cammie rarely comes up and says, Daddy, I want something because I've already asked her, what do you want, baby? You know, what, what can Daddy get you? You know, and Callie, well, before we left, I told Callie, I said, look, I'm going I'm to see you through this. We're going to get you through CF&I, no matter what. You know what I mean? I just want you to know that I'm behind you, and I love you, and I want you to succeed on this. And she needs to hear that. She needs to know that. It helps, right, when you know that you know, people are on, on your team. Uh, so so the, the first thing I want you to see is this, is gratitude produces worship. In verse 15 through 16 of what we just read, it said, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with what? A loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. He was like, thank you. Oh, man, you know what? You think, you know, winning the lottery, when it was funny because uh, I, I come through the store and I've been having some pains, you know, riding too long, you know. And uh, I was going through the store and, and I was just kind of hurting and stove up. And I came in and the guy's like, you don't look so good. He goes, you play lottery? <laughs> he was like... You know, maybe this will cheer you up, you know? Like, no, dude, I'm, I'm good. So, but, uh, but gratitude produces worship. I mean, this man, when he, when he realized what had happened, when he counted the blessings of God in his life, and at that time he was just looking at one, he said, oh, my goodness, I am healed. 
I can go see my wife, I can go see my family, or whatever, whatever situation it was, or however old he was, he was like, I'm going to be able to go back and live in society as a free man from this stupid sickness called leprosy that has destroyed my life. Amen? Let me ask you something. Was, was it appropriate for him to be as thankful and emotional and, and, and expressive as he was? Do you think it, do you think it was appropriate? I mean, have you ever done something, something for somebody and they're like, ugh, whatever? Mainly your kids, you know, they're unappreciative. And, and uh, it's like, dude, you know I mean, how offensive is that to you? But I mean, if you walked up and if you were Jesus and you walked up and you laid hands on somebody and you healed them from leprosy, I mean, how appropriate is it that they come and they rejoice and they get excited? I mean, you watch people in the publisher's clearinghouse, if, that's even, if that even exists. But, you know, we watch stuff on TV of big things happen. You know, people get free homes and remodels and all that. Something great happens in their life. They really don't give a flip what people think around them because they're so grateful and thankful. I mean, when you have something that, tra- that dramatic done in your life and you don't have nothing to say about it, you're, you're just a jerkbait. You know what I mean? When you have absolutely nothing inside of you to say thank you. I mean, there's, there's something, there's a very problematic issue in your life. And, and that is the mindset that Satan can rob us in our lives and in our worship and our walk with God and in our relationships with people. But it was appropriate. Let me ask you this. Was it scripturally appropriate for him to express himself like that to God? Jesus was God. Jesus was God in the flesh. Amen? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Amen? Jesus was God. Is it appropriate to worship God like we, like we, like we just did? We came in here, and, and we saw different expressions. We saw people bowing on their knees. We saw people lifting their hands. We saw people shouting. Are these appropriate expressions? And the, and the answer is yes. We've talked about this for eight weeks, but, and I just want to kind of review but remember, when you go back to the, in, the, in the Word, to the original languages, to, to the Hebrew and the Greek, you know, uh, there's words that are translated into praise. So, so in other words, there were, there were several different words used for different meanings, but they get translated into praise, the same word. But when you go back and look into the root word, you begin to see that praise is a dynamic word that mentions several different expressions. And there's actually more than seven, but seven are the most popular. So the, the first word, we're talking about being, our gratitude produces worship, right? Thankfulness produces worship. How many of you are thankful today? That, that the breath in my lungs was given to me by God, and I'm breathing. I'm simply alive today because God has said, here, I'm going to give you another breath to live off of today. So the words translated into praise, first one is toda. Uh, it is a thanksgiving choir. How many of you know that we don't have a choir up here, but you are the choir? We're all to sing. I talked to Brother Olin this week, and he said that something that's on his heart right now is the value of individual singing, which I think we press that. It's not the job of the worship band to get up here and sing for you. It's the job of all of us to sing together, collectively, corporately, unto the Lord. And so Toda is a thanksgiving choir. Uh, the word Barak means to kneel in thanksgiving. We saw some people this morning. Uh, when, it's, when it's one of the scriptures, songs we were singing mentioned bowing, and I just, I just bowed over, you know, to express what the song was uh, trying to proclaim. The next one is Tehillah, not Tequila, but Tehillah. 
Uh, it, is, it is translated into praise. It is uh, to sing a song of thanksgiving. So when we sing a song of thanksgiving unto our Lord, halal, which is where we get the word, what? Yes. Hallelujah, okay? To give thanks by being clamorously foolish. You know, at the end of the service, man, we were singing this to breath in our lungs. We began to, whoo, we began to shout and begin to get excited and get a little, get a little kind of crazy for some folks. But, but that is, a, that is a, a, an acceptable scriptural way for the church to respond to the glory of God. Yada, to give thanks with extended hands. Zamar, to give thanks with musical instruments. I'll be dang, it's in there. Shabbat. To give thanks in a loud tone. So in other words, to shout. So everybody shout. Woo! Yeah, you know, and, and, and let me tell you something. I, I think back to Full Metal Jacket when, uh, when, when Private Joker was trying to show Gunny his war face. And he goes, show me your war face. He'd go, Whoa! you know. And he'd say, you're not scaring me. Work on it. And he walked away. If you haven't seen that show... Just don't. It's... I can watch it because I'm a Marine. I have spiritual exemption from watching that word. <laughs> that, uh, that show is very descriptive in its language. But it's funny because, you know, hey, the Bible says shout. And I won't, I won't hear this. It says shout. doesn't say scream. doesn't say bark. doesn't say cluck like a chicken. Doesn't say doesn't say bleat like a goat. It says shout. Because here it is, it's, we're, we're in a spiritual battle here, okay? You, you want to be intimidating to the spiritual forces around you. You, you want to be like David when he stood in front of Goliath. Think about if David walked up there and went, you know. <laughs> Goliath would have died, but he would have died from laughter, you know. And so we need to learn to shout. Work on your war faces, all right? You know, go, just go watch that one part of, you know, go watch the edited version. I don't think there is an edited version. You would have a five-minute film, but, you know, work on, you know, shout, when you shout, shout. Say, yes, Lord, you know. I mean, just like you're looking David in the face and shout, you know. Anything else is going to be like, you're just a weirdo, and that's distracting. We're, we're trying to bring glory to God, not to ourselves or distractions. And, and, and screaming, is, uh, screaming does not denote wonderful victory of awesome God. It means, oh, my God, there's a snake in the church or something like that, you know. So don't do that. You know, shout. Learn how to shout. Work on your war face. So when you're driving down, when you're in your car this week, you gotta, it's got to come from here. Eric! You, need, uh, you know what you need to do is you need to get some, of course, I don't know if you can find any censored Marine Corps cadence, you know, but, you know, when we used to run in the Marine Corps, we would run, and, and you would have to sing at the same time. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, it's stinking hard. You know, it's hard. And uh, so, it, but it builds your diaphragm up and it b- builds your lung capacity up. I, right now, I love it because at home, I'll be in the back of the house and uh, all my girls are low talkers and so you, you can't hear them. Poor Christy, she can whistle and make your ears bleed, but she cannot holler. She cannot talk loud. But me, I'll be on the other end of the, on the, in the house and I'll be, in, I'll be just wondering what Cammie's doing. Like, is she alive? Is she in the house? Has she ran away? What? I'll go, Cammie! Like that. And she'll go, Holler! It's hilarious, man, because she says it back just like I say it. Arr! And when they're growing up, it's, it's, it's an awesome thing to listen. But these are, these are acceptable ways to worship the Lord. These are acceptable. 
I mean, not only is it acceptable to give thanks to someone who has done such, such a great thing in your life, they are scripturally prescriptive ways of expressing your affection and your love to the Lord. And, and we're, not, we're not trying to get everybody to be a bunch of mechanical robots. What we're trying to do is to get you to open yourself up to allow yourself to worship the Lord. You see, once again, I said it, I think, the night of worship. Worship should not be a striving thing. It should be a surrendered thing. Because if it's a striving thing, it becomes a work. I mean, I've had to deal with that. You're like, good grief, I'm wearing myself out over here, you know. And then I realize, God's like, because you're doing it wrong, knucklehead. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to surrender myself to you, Lord. I'm going to allow myself to be open to you. Uh, Psalms 104. How many of you have ever heard this scripture? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. How many of you have ever heard that? But let me break it down for you because there's actually four of the four ways of worship. Four of the ways of, of expressive praise are contained in the scripture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. The word there is toda, a thanksgiving choir. Okay? Oh, so we're to enter his gates corporately singing. And his courts with praise, tehillah, singing praises. Give thanks, yada, extend your hands, and bless his name, bow before his name. All four, there's four of them right there in the one scripture. So let me, let me read it paraphrased using those expressions. Enter his gates with a thanksgiving choir and his courts with singing praises. Give thanks by extending your hands to him and bless him by bowing before his name. Isn't that awesome? You see? So, you know, we're not just doing this because, you know, we're, this is the flavor of the week. These are prescriptive ways in the Bible to come in and enter his house in worship. Amen? And, you know, everybody, you know, you got the, the reserve group. Oh, we're not to express ourselves. No, actually, that is the arrogant way to approach God. The humble way is to express yourself and to see yourself as a servant to the Master and to say, thank you, Master, for your goodness. I'm going to humble myself. And, and no matter what people think about me, to show you who you are and who I am. And so we see gratitude produces worship. But what produces gratitude? Well, we see in this situation right here, in Luke 17, 15, it says, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, when he saw that he was healed, what happened first? Did he see first or did he worship Jesus first? He saw first. When he saw that he was healed, when he got it, when he got the revelation of what Jesus had just done in his life, it made him grateful because of what Jesus had done in his life. Miracles produce Gratitude. The gratitude in his life was produced by the work of Jesus. You know what? When you get and understand the work that Jesus has done in your life, you can't help but be grateful for what he's done. You can't help it. When you actually see it for what it is. To be a, to be a leper, not only were you just barred from society and life and commerce and everything to do with it, when you walked down the street, you had to say, announce to you, about yourselves to everybody, unclean, unclean, unclean. And if you violated the laws that it was for the, for the people with leprosy, they would put you to death. You had to be responsible for your disease. They kept you from everybody else. You had to be responsible for not contaminating everybody else with your nasty leprosy. And I don't know about you, but me, before Jesus saved me, I was unclean. 
I was nasty. I was undone. I was unrighteous. But because of what Jesus has done in my life, He has wakened me a new spirit. He has brought to life what was dead. I now have an opportunity. I have a hope. I have a life. I have a future. And it all rests in the work that He did, not me. It has nothing to do with what I did. But accept the free gift of grace that Jesus died for. Amen? Let me ask you something. Do you have something to be thankful for for the work that Jesus has done in your life? Then I've got you. Then I've got you. Because here's the deal. If it's appropriate to express yourself to someone who has done such a great thing in your life, and every one of you say that Jesus has done a great thing in my life, then it's real simple. <laughs> I got you. You need to be expressing your gratitude towards what Jesus has done in your life. Because Jesus has done a great thing. And, and when, we, when we become ungrateful, it's just simple. We're ungrateful because we don't count what Jesus has done. When we're ungrateful, we think we deserve better. When we're ungrateful, we're counting all the bad things and not all the good things. And, and then when you get that, you don't trust God in the midst of those bad situations to praise Him and worship Him in the midst of them. But to be grateful, you must see what you have to be thankful for. That's why it's so important to come together as a body and to hear and to proclaim and to tell the stories of what's going on in our life, to, 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 to proclaim our thanks, to say, God, thank you. For, you know what I mean? You know, right, I love it right now because like just about the tagline on every Facebook post is bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. You know what? And that's a good thing. I don't want to see it stop. Every time, every time something happens in someone's life, I've been noticing they've been getting on Facebook going, hey, this happened, but God took care of this or whatnot, bless the Lord. Or this happened, and we're still waiting on an answer, but bless the Lord. Because what does the world see when people are unthankful towards their God? They see a bunch of people that they don't want to be associated with or to be with. They need to see people that bless the Lord and are thankful and have the joy of the Lord. Amen? But miracles produce gratitude. And whether you know it or not, if you're a believer, if you're a child of God, that's a miracle right there of being born again, of being regenerated by the Spirit. That's a miracle. But you know what? I guarantee you, every one of you can go back and think of multiple times that Jesus has, good, has greatly interfered in your life in good ways. You know, I think, I mean, I, wouldn't even, I, I, I was supposed to have a plastic hip joint being a wheelchair right now. And that was 30-something years ago. But God healed me from a crippling disease that I don't have. And by the way, Judy, you rock that haircut, girl. I like that hair. I really do. I love that hair, man. It is awesome. And uh, it, God, you're, so, you're, so, you're a blessing. I want you to know that right now. You know, you probably, you probably got more to complain about than anybody else, but you, you complain the least of anybody I know in this church. You really do. And she's checking on other people in the midst of all her stuff. And uh, we love her for that. She is a wonderful asset to the Gateway Church. But what produces the miracles in our life? That's a good question, right? How many of you want to know what you got to do to get God to interfere in your life? To make things happen, right? Now, not, not, not so that we can put a quarter in the box and turn God on and make him operate for us. But what is it that's going to cause things to happen in our life? Well... Luke 17, 14, it says, When he, 
saw them, he said to them, Jesus sees the lepers. He tells them, go and show yourselves to the priests. So what did Jesus do? What, did, did Jesus say you're healed? He said what? Go and show yourselves to the priest. And then it says this. And as they went, as they went, they were healed. So what, what do we see here? We're seeing obedience. We're seeing obedience. There's a story of a man one time uh, Robert tells about that he heard somewhere else, but there was a guy, he was a, con- he was a construction worker, and he was out of work, he had no money, it was pretty, you know, whatever, pretty bleak, and, and he said God, he, he knew, he, he knew that God had told him to build a sawhorse. And he's like, God, I don't have any work to do on a sawhorse, why do you want me to build a sawhorse? He says, go build the dang sawhorse, you know, go, go build a sawhorse. So the guy said, okay, Lord, I'm going to obey you. He said he went out in his yard and he got some two-by-fours. And in his front yard, he's starting to make a sawhorse. And the guy drives by and says, hey, are you a construction worker? Are you a carpenter? And the guy said, well, yes. And he goes, well, I got a job for you. And, and the guy, like, never went without work from that time on. And, and it's, just, it's just the illustration of a guy that he, he, just, he just simply obeyed God to build a sawhorse. And because of that, he got work. But, you know, and, and I, I can tell you a hundred times in my life how that has happened in my life. But obedience, so we, we see here that the, the lepers, when Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priest, when, when they obeyed what he said to do, what happened? They were healed. When he was healed, what happened? Well, the one of them saw the goodness of God and said, you know what, I'm going to go express my gratitude to Jesus. He said, do you see the, do you see the, the cycle here? When you obey, God moves in your life. When God moves in your life, it gives you something to be thankful for. But here's the deal. We should always be thankful for something. But the problem is, is why some of us aren't thankful, is because we're not obeying God in our lives. We're not trusting Him. We're not operating in faith to allow Him to move into our lives, and we're just mad at Him. So when we come into worship, we're mad at God. We're just angry, and instead of expressing our thanks, and Satan uses these things in our lives to destroy our worship to pull away from what God has done in our lives this is some hard stuff because we're like man I want, I want everything to be easy it's not easy you know Christy told me something a while ago she said that the only way we're going to see victories in our life is if we go through the battles everybody wants to be a navy seal everybody wants to be a, a green beret but nobody wants to go do what it takes to get to get those those badges to get those berets you know i mean who who wouldn't want those accolades you know who wouldn't want that type of you know thing to be said about you at your funeral you know mickey killed thousands of enemy you know with a with a with a toothpick you know i mean this dude's like stellar stellar soldier you know what i'm saying so, I mean, when it comes to God, we, we've, we've got to become obedient. And, and, and I, want, I, want to, I want to, you know, uh, sometimes when you want to see what's going on in the passage you're reading, you need to go kind of beforehand and see what was going on. So we just read this. We see Jesus tell some people, hey, go show yourself to the priest. They do what he says. They get healed. One of them who understands the situation, and, you know, the other guys were just ungrateful. 
I think they were, they were Jews. They thought, well, we're entitled to this because we're Jews. But, but the guy who saw that he was actually a foreigner, he was a Samaritan, he was so grateful for what Jesus had done in his life, he said, I'm going to go back to Jesus and express this in my life. So he obeyed, he was healed, and he was thankful for what Jesus did in his life, and he goes back and worships him. But, but I want you to go back to, to 17, verse 1 through 10. And I want you to, 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 to see something here. So Jesus is talking to the disciples. And he said to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and were cast into the sea than he should cause one of these little ones to sin. And so here, here he's focusing on the offender, okay? And then he goes in verse, five, verse 3 to the offended. He says, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, what? Forgive him. So if somebody does you wrong and they ask for forgiveness, what is your only option? You've got to forgive them. But listen to this. And so I'm sure the disciples were sitting there and they're like, yeah, we can do that. That's fine. You know, how many of you, you know, when you hear something from the Scripture, you're like, oh, that's easy. I can do that. You know, because that's just the way you're wired or whatever. It's simple for you. you know, how, many, how many of you are, you know, it's, it's easy for me to come up here and give, Right? Because, I mean, it's not a problem for me. I've been doing it. I'm, I'm experienced at it. God, I trust God with it. You know, but, but how many of you have, have that one thing? You're like, I'm going to need a little more help. He says, and he says, and if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. So, okay, so like, okay, so if, if, he, if he asks for forgiveness, you've got to, if, you've got to forgive him. Oh, that's easy. You know, I'm sure the disciples were like, okay, we can do that. But then Jesus, like, you know, he, then he like slides all the chips on the table. And then he says, but if he, if, he, if he sins against you 70 times in a day, you've got to, okay. And then this is, the, this is the disciples' reply. Increase our faith. Verse 5, it says, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So I'm sure, you know, when he said, you've got to forgive somebody, if, you know, if, they, if they've done you wrong and they repent, and they're like, okay, we can do that, but you've got to do it this many times in a day. Okay, increase our faith. <laughs> it's, it's up to you, Jesus, if this happens or not. You're going to have to miraculously do this in me. Oh, that's funny, isn't it? And then Jesus is like, if you had... The faith, like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. I think Jesus was kind of a little righteously indignant here. Going, oh, my, he's, he's, he's doing facepalm. Jesus is doing facepalm going, oh, you gooberheads, what's wrong with y'all? If you just had a little faith. But listen, listen to what Jesus' reply was to their, you need to give us some more faith. Will any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come from the field, come at once and recline at my table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you will eat and drink? After I'm done eating, you'll, you'll get to drink, servant. Does he thank the servant because he did what he commanded. So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, 
say we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Did y'all get that? Jesus says, you don't need more faith. You need to do what you're told. You don't need more faith. You need to do what you're told. Everybody say it with me. I need to do what I'm told. If I want God to move in my life, I need to do what I'm told. I mean, because whether it be giving or whether it be marriages or whether it be kid, kid, you know, they say, well, I need to faith that. No, you need to do what you're told. There's some things that you don't need to pray about. There's some things that you don't need faith for. You just need to simply do what you're told. Why? Because even though we are children of God, even though we are saints and princes and kings and defeaters and all these other things, we are still servants. To our Master, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we are so arrogant to be ungrateful, when we are so unthankful to see what He's done in our life, when we elevate our play, ourselves so high to forget who the heck we are and to forget who He is, then we're going to be ungrateful people. And we're not going to express any gratefulness. And there ain't going to be much going on in our lives. And Satan's going to use it to just make us worship even less and be disgruntled even more and to be deceived and to be blind to what's going on in our lives. So this man, he obeyed Christ. He was healed. And out of his healing, Jesus had the opportunity to heal him because he humbled himself and he obeyed. And it produced gratefulness in his life. So you see how that went down? See what Jesus did there? But here's the deal. Jesus tells this story. Servants do what they're told. And then he goes, watch this. And as he was finishing that line, he says, servants do what they're told. Ten guys with leprosy walk by. And they say, Lord, have mercy on us. And he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they walked away, they were healed. But one of them, one of them, one of them was completely healed. Completely healed. He got it. He, he knew his place. He knew the place of Christ. He was not afraid to be, he, he was grateful. Because you know, when you're grateful, you can't hide it. You can't hide gratefulness. You can't hide it. He was grateful. And he came and showed it. You know, and I've heard Dad preach this message in a different, you know, context, you know, talking about the, the lepers. But those nine, what happened to them? You ever wonder what happened to those guys? It doesn't say that the next day they woke up, but imagine this. I mean, because they, they were so ungrateful, I mean, what? it doesn't say, but it, it's likely that it could have came back. They were cleansed, but then they could have woke up one morning, and bam, there it comes back. But you know what? This other guy, I guarantee you it didn't come back. This guy was healed permanently. And I guarantee you he was grateful day in and day out for what Jesus had done in his life. But you see, worship is expressive. And worship comes out of gratefulness. 
And so what I want to tell you today is this, is first off, go back and see what you have to be grateful for. You know, if you're a, if you're a child of God, we all have the miracle of salvation to be grateful for and to rejoice for in our lives. But in the moment, in the, in the, in the moment that we live in right now, if all you can think about is what God is not doing, or if you, all you can do is focus on the, on the difficulties, and all you can do is focus on the, 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 the things that aren't going well, Satan has got your focus in a place where it doesn't need to be. Because you can't be grateful when you're focused on the things that you're not grateful for. You can't do it. You know, what, what, what is absurdly obvious to me is the things that God wants to deal with in my life. You know how I know them? Because it's like, haven't I already taken this test? Haven't I already taken this test? God, haven't I taken this test? And you think you pass sometimes, and it's like, well, apparently I didn't pass. Or maybe I need three A's. I don't know. I don't know what he's looking for. But, you know, God, God wants to change our lives. And God, God is not here to play games with us. God is not here to, to make you miserable. God is here for your good. You know, that, and that's, a, that's something that you have to, to accept in faith and say, okay, this is what the Word says. This is what God wants. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. You know, I mean, uh, God, God, all things work together for the good of them that love Jesus Christ. The scriptures, right? I mean, if you go off of emotions and feelings, you're going you're gonna to be pretty, pretty jacked up. Jesus, when he was in 40 days of fasting and he was talking to Satan, all he did was quoted scripture. And so here's the deal. If you find yourself in a problem and you don't know how to deal with it, go to the Word. Fill your head with what the Word says. But try to problem solve. You know, that's something Dad's taught me, that anytime something's going awry, don't just, don't just say, well, it's just the way it is. No, go and examine and seek and pray and try to break through and find out, God, what are you trying to teach me? God, what is it that you want to do in my life? God, what is it that you're trying to show me? Because here's the obvious thing. God is doing something. And I don't think we're always meant to be oblivious to it. And I think sometimes the simplest answers are like so hard for us to see in our lives. You know, it's amazing. You know, I've had I've had some people come up to me and ask me to pray for some like per very personal things, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that for you because you're not going to blame me the rest of my life if this doesn't go well for you. You know, but just by simply just putting it out there, sometimes somebody else can go, well, there's your answer right there. You know, there's your answer right there. You know, maybe, maybe you need to do something different. You know, maybe you need to get a new job. Maybe you need to, you know, make it, make, do something different. I mean, if, 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 what's, if it's, what's going on is, is continuously not working, then pray God take you somewhere else, you know? But here's the deal. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Rejoice in Him. You know, it, it's it like it's the Bible says it's easy to rejoice when things are going well, but when things are bad, hey, if you got to get up every morning for thirty minutes and have a thank you session, get up every morning and minute and say, Lord, I'm gonna thank you. I don't know what's going on. God, help me, help me figure this out. And get some people to pray with you. You know, put it out there on the table and, and and say, God, help me figure out what the heck I need to do to 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 see this move in my life. Amen. Don't go this alone. You know, enter His courts with. Corporate singing, not alone. Let's do this together, all right?
But let me ask something. What has the Holy Spirit said to you today? We see this man. I mean, what, what we want to do is we want to set ourselves up for failure. I mean, not, no, we don't. Take that back. We don't want to set ourselves up for failure. We want to set ourselves up for success. You know, it's aggravating when you try to do something, you don't have the tool for it. Me and Dad have experienced many years of that. You know, we never had a crane, so we had to pick stuff up. We had to do stuff the, the grunt way, you know, pick it up, hurt yourself, whatever, but get it done. And, you know, God has given us tools to succeed. God has given us tools. But what we need to do is we need to obey Him and use these tools and do what He's called us to do so that we can see the results that not just what we want, but we can see the results happen that what God wants to happen in our lives. And, and I, want, I want to see a church where it's just the norm where people come in here and they tamar and they shabak and they halal. You know what I mean? We're, 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 we're an expressive place of worship. We, we want to accept people as they come. We don't, we, don't want to, we don't want to intentionally freak people out, but we don't want to uh, compromise seeing God's glory come down for other people because I believe this is the best thing that other people can see is the glory of God because when the glory of God falls you're like dude it's unquestionably real and awesome but in your own life you know are, are you are you struggling with you know these 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 ways of praise that I have mentioned to you today and are you struggling with being thankful Y'all see the conundrum we can find ourselves in. We obey, God moves, it, it produces. Should, should we have some gratefulness in us? Yeah. But we should continually, what, what this is about is seeing God continually move in our life. Yeah? God doesn't want us just to be thankful for what he did 20 years ago. He wants him to be, us to be thankful for what he did today, what he's going to do tomorrow, what he's going to do the next day, what he's going to do the day after that. And he wants us to share this with one another and build up our faith, build up our obedience, build up our trust, and build up our continuity of this temple that he is building us in so that he can reside in it and operate in it and function in it the way he is intended. So I want everybody just to bow your head and close your eyes. Are you grateful? Are you obedient? Are you a worshiper? Are you struggling with any three of those? And, and the thing is, is why? Why is it? You know, this isn't just a black and white issue. There's several things that this could be addressing in our lives. But I believe this. I believe if you'll just be honest with yourself and you'll listen to the Holy Spirit, He'll, tell you on your, he'll put on your heart what He wants you to hear. And if you'll respond to that in an obedient way, I believe he'll deliver you from that situation. Or you will simply begin to do what he's called you to do, or whatever it may be. But how many of you today, in reading this story about the leper, how many of you did it speak to your heart today? Just lift your hands. How many did it put some, address something in your heart that you need to deal with? Amen. Why not deal with it today? You know, this isn't a time to condemn you for your actions. It's a time to say, hey, let's, let's rise up today. Let's put a foot in the butt of Satan. And let's lend an ear and an eye and a, and a hand 
to Jesus to do what he's asked us to do and allow him to operate in our life. So as everybody stands to their feet, and Sharisha just leads us in a short song of worship, whatever the Holy Spirit's put on your heart today, just come down today and say, Lord, this is what I'm going to do to put my faith in you today. Y'all come as Sharisha sings.